Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The story of David and Goliath teaches us only one thing. Well, maybe it teaches more than one thing. How about it teaches one thing we can agree on? That a rock thrown properly can take down the biggest foe. On this, regardless of whether you're a religious person or not, or or someone who just likes a good story, we can agree that the rock thrown with the proper velocity can uh, fell any opponent. We can also agree that in uh, the, the pantheon of cliches, that sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. The name will not hurt you, but the stick and nay, the stone, which is to say the rock, will most probably leave a scar. We can also discuss the sickening, gross, awful history of people being stoned to death. Not the Matthew McConaughey dazed and confused kind of way, but rock to the head kind of way. Rocks can indeed do damage. Rocks can kill. We have seen rocks used in warfare. Most recently, you have seen rocks used uh, when we talk about the days of Yasser Arafat, still continuing to this day via, via Hamas and attacks on Israeli soldiers. This brings us to our own southern border and the really twisted view of many on the political left. I'm Tony Katz. Not on the political left. 833-GOT-TONY is the number. 833-468-8669. In order to put this in proper perspective, we have to take a look at what's happened on the border over the last few days. When you had the caravan, which, again, if it's not an invasion, what is it? I keep asking, and no one gives me an answer. It's getting a little frustrating. No one gives me an answer. It's not an invasion? Okay, it's not an invasion. Here's my question. What is it? You have 1,000, and you have 6,000, you have 14,000. Now you got a couple thousand people who've all come to the border who've said they demand entry into the country. They won't accept any help from Mexico. They won't accept uh, any, uh, uh, you know, asylum requests, uh, or, or they won't request asylum from Mexico. It's only the United States. They demand entry. They demand things. You have to give it. And then they get to the point of entry at San Ysidro, and they storm the border. They storm the border. And the response was tear gas, pepper spray, from uh, Border Patrol agents. The political left went into full-on apoplectic upheaval, claiming that we used gas on women and children. Just so you know, the, the correct response when you hear that the United States used gas or chemical warfare on women and children is to say, and I'm quoting, (laughs) That's it right there. Just giggle because it's ridiculous. This is what happens when small minds are allowed into the real world. Of course it's not gas. Of course it's not chemical warfare. Let's not be silly. Let's not be ignorant people like they are. But let's ask ourselves why it is that the Border Patrol does these kinds of things. 
So our, one of our primary missions is to make sure that we keep the border safe and secure. Uh, I, I kind of challenge that this was a peaceful protest um, or that the majority of these people were claiming asylum. Uh, we ended up making about 42 arrests. Only eight of those were uh, females and there were only a few children involved. The vast majority of the people we're dealing with are adult males. Similar to what we saw uh, the first wave of the caravan that came up about a week or so ago, uh, the group immediately started throwing rocks and debris at our, at our agents, taunting the agents. Once our agents were assaulted and the numbers started growing, we had you know, two or three agents at a time initially facing hundreds of people at a time. Uh, they deployed tear gas to protect themselves and to protect the border. Now, first, let's make sure we understand that the people that we're dealing with are not all women and children. This is mythology, and we have no time for myth. This is a serious subject. We're talking about the border and who's trying to cross the border. They are men, and one of the conversations also coming up is that they are not looking for asylum. They're not trying to escape persecution. They just want a better life and a job. Well, that's great, but that's not the way it works. That's not how any of this works. You can't just decide you want in because of it. And they stormed the border. And they threw rocks at Border Patrol agents. We started by discussing David and Goliath. It cannot be denied that a rock can kill. That the throwing of rocks at people is indeed violent. I take you to Sally Cohn. Sally Cohn is a leftist. Sally Cohn uh, is, uh, I think she still does work with CNN. She used to actually do work with Fox. I've discussed the fact that my first ever appearance on Fox and Friends, I debated Sally Cohn on tax policy. I was living in California at the time. She wanted to make the argument that California wasn't taxed enough. It's a true story. I, I can't make that up even, even though I tried. And she put out on, on Twitter, if reports of a few migrants throwing rocks at the border are true, Please wonder at whether a few rocks are really a threat to the heavily armed, militarized U.S. Border Patrol. She then continues in full caps. Rocks aren't threats. They're just the excuse for Trump to respond with deadly force. Rocks aren't a threat, says Sally Cohn. But you and I know better. Our basic existence, never once maybe having thrown a rock or having a rock thrown at us, you and I both know sitting here right now that that's not true. We know that Sally Cohn is absolutely not telling the truth. There is no part of this that is true. Does it matter that the U.S. Uh, Border Patrol is heavily armed and quote-unquote militarized? It would be better if they were totally defenseless. So instead of a few Border Patrol agents being injured, maybe you'd have one or two dead Border Patrol agents if it wasn't for them being uh, heavily armed. And so heavily armed that the most they did was shoot tear gas, pepper spray, completely non-lethal, heavily armed, but they went completely non-lethal. They did exactly what they did five years ago to the date of November 26th, under uh, the presidency of Barack Obama, when 100 migrants tried to storm the border, and the response, tear gas. It seems to me if you storm the border, the first response is tear gas. They must have a system in place. And that system, for however heavily armed they are, is to go non-lethal at the first. However, 
The throwing of a rock is not non-lethal. The throwing of a rock is totally lethal. Its purpose, its intent, the only way it can be described is lethal. So when someone says, like Sally Cohn with 118,000 followers and someone who fancies herself a leader of the progressive movement, rocks aren't threats, we can clearly say that that's a lie. When Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii says that the, the U.S. Border Patrol engaged in, in, in a gas attack on defenseless women and children, we know for fact that that's a lie. And we know that there is this constant stream of lies that comes out about the border and that comes out from people on this high end of the political left, cultural com commentators and elected officios. Because demonizing the other side is more important than the truth. Demonizing the political right, demonizing Donald Trump, demonizing Mike Pence, demonizing the U.S. Senate, demonizing you is far more valuable than the truth. Sally Cohn flat out lied and thinks that she is moral and pious and decent. Senator Schatz lied and thinks that he is moral and pious and and decent, and this is why it is so difficult in today's United States and from today's media to have an honest conversation, an open conversation. Oh, bloody hell, any bit of conversation, it's miserable. I want it known that Sally Cohn is a liar. You can tell her I said so. Come at me, sue me, whatever. How filthy. What a violent thing to say. What a reprehensible thing to say. Rocks aren't threats. And by the way, maybe you missed the follow-up. She said rocks aren't threats. They're just the excuse for Trump to respond with deadly force. Except the Border Patrol didn't respond with deadly force. They responded with the exact same force they did in 2013. The only deadly force was inflicted upon the Border Patrol by the migrant who ostensibly just wants a better life. Guys, sometimes picking this stuff apart is easy, but it's always important. Rocks kill. The purpose of throwing a rock is to kill the person you threw the rock at. Anybody who says otherwise is a liar. I'm Tony Katz. I am not quitting Twitter. I don't have to. I, it's it's only a matter of time before I get thrown off the off the platform. So I quit. I mean, honestly, I, I don't I don't have to quit Twitter. As as far as I see it, they're going to quit me soon enough. So I think what we have to do is set up a, a date and time. When will I be thrown off Twitter? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number, 833-468-8669. That's how you get to be a part of the show. And, of course, we stream the show on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. You should go check it out, like the page, watch the show, listen to the show. Oh, it's fantastic. Good time had by all.
So this all is in regards to this woman, Megan Murphy. Uh, Megan Murphy, who uh, simply tweeted out, men are not women. I know, I know, you are you are shocked and surprised and confused, and you're all like, what? Yeah, men are not women. And that got her thrown off uh, Twitter because uh, it's an insult, uh, supposedly, to the transgendered community and so is dead naming which i didn't know what uh, we just we discovered it here yesterday dead naming it turns out is when you used to call yourself bruce and now you call yourself caitlin and someone calls you bruce that's dead naming and i just don't have any more time for it and i you know it's it's a free speech conversation right uh in, in order to keep some group safe ostensibly we have to limit free speech that no society is going to work well that way there's it's just total disaster no matter how you, you you put that together so some people have followed this and been like you know what this is ridiculous and glenn reynolds uh law professor university of tennessee uh he's on the uh editorial board of usa today and he's known as instapundent so if you've ever been to the website Instapundent, which is an aggregation site, unbelievably popular, sometimes referred to as the blog father because he was one of the very original guys uh, to do things uh, like this, wildly popular site. Uh, he said, you know what, I'm out. I'm done. I'm, I'm not giving Twitter any more content. I don't need this in my life. Got to go. Goodbye. And so he quit. And it was created, you know, amongst conservative circles, it was a big deal. He's, he's quitting Twitter. And so people are asking, wait, are you going to quit Twitter? Do you go somewhere? Does it even matter? Uh, my answer is no. no. I'm still at Tony Katz on Twitter. But it's really going to be a question of for how long. Not because I feel like I should go anywhere. It's a question of when they decide to get rid of me. When they decide to get rid of you. We have to be clear that what, what, Twitter does. Twitter does not believe in free speech. Twitter is not invested in the conversation of free speech. They are invested in the very concept of a, uh, a appropriate speech. Now, you and I both know that there is no such thing. There is sometimes being appropriate to the moment, but the very idea of somebody being able to tell you whether or not your speech is acceptable is an infringement upon free speech. You have no right not to be offended. If you're offended, that's on you. And some people out there will say things because they want to offend you. Some people are terrible. I mean, it's just the way it is. But you don't get to police their words so somehow you won't be offended. Because to, to do that, you have to watch and listen to everything they say, and then you have to be offended to be able to say, hey, they offended me. Which means you were proactive in the searching it out. Which is... Very weird. There's a very S&M vibe to that, right? I, like, like the whole idea of, of victim mentality is you like the idea of being a victim, so you search for the places where you've been victimized so you can claim being a victim, and then you can go after the person who victimized you and get yourself a little bit of moral superiority. Honestly, I think it would be cheaper and easier to just put on the gimp suit. I, I, you, are, you are a ball gag and a paddle away from happy, which is, by the way, no judgment. Go live your life. Totally fine. Go, you do you. But it is there is that it's weird. Like it's a you 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 want you want to be harmed. <laughs> is 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 the victim mentality. So what? 
what Glenn Reynolds said is, I'm, I'm, done, I'm done with this. And the question is, well, what do the rest of us think about that? And I'm not quitting because there'll be a moment they get rid of me. But no society has ever been better off by having less rights. And Twitter is in the business of less rights. And Americans, too many of them, if I, I don't say the majority, but far too many of them in these positions of power are okay with you having less rights. They've never been so happy as when you have less to say. You get less to say. You can get in trouble for the things that you say as opposed to letting people speak and you agree with some things and disagree with other things and turn off the channel on other people or change the station, uh, et, et, et cetera. That's where we're at. That's the ugly of American society right now. In China, they do it with a social score. In America, holy crap, we're just doing it to ourselves through businesses that actually think they're good and decent and moral. Jack of, of Twitter fame, you are neither good nor decent or moral. You keep allowing these people to decide what is free speech. You're just going to be a putz who has no more people on your platform. Overheard. Here's Brian. Just defeated GOP Representative Mia Love, who was mocked by President Trump after Election Day for supposedly not showing him sufficient loyalty, fired back at the Commander-in-Chief on Monday during her quote-unquote concession speech. The President's behavior towards me made me wonder, what did he have to gain by saying such a thing? about a fellow Republican. Gloating and stroking his own ego. This is coming as a surprise to you now, babe? You know, we didn't elect Gandhi. It was not really about asking him to do more, was it? No, no it wasn't. See previous comment for further clarification. This gave me a clear vision of his world as it is. No real relationships, just convenient transactions. That is an insufficient way to implement sincere service and policy. And yet, the economy is doing great. Go figure. Above all, my experience in the last year has provided me a big reminder of who I am and what my purpose is. Do a great job in Washington, support the president's agenda, work together with other Republicans in Congress and get reelected so the GOP can continue to make progress on the things that matter most to conservative voters. So, how'd that go, Mia? Hey, you want to hear something from MSNBC that is so delicious, it may actually prompt you to become aroused? They listen to the president who says, it's not women and children, it's stone-cold criminals. So, my first question is, you're in that tent camp. Besides that family, give us the profile of who is there mostly and what are they looking for? Because it seems as though, to your point, they don't actually have the necessary information so they know how to cross the border. There could have people, there could be people yesterday who were running because they thought it was their only chance. Wait, hang on a sec. Let me get my massage oil. Okay. It's very difficult because this has become such a polarizing issue. If we kind of take a walk, you'll, you'll be able to see for yourself. Again, this is the inner sanctum of the shelter. Uh, so uh, you're, you're going to see a lot of families here, a lot of uh, women and children. Uh, but the, the truth is the majority of the people that are part of this caravan, especially outside, if we can make our way all the way over there, uh, we'll show you the majority of them are men. Right here, this was the point where MSNBC executives were calling the airline to cancel the reporter's return ticket home. Um, from what we've seen, the majority are actually men. Uh, and some of these men have not articulated that need for asylum. Instead, uh, they have talked about, you know, going to the United States for a better life and to find work. Somebody's going to be looking for a job. They let them go on for a really long time, too. I'm surprised they didn't pull the old CNN signature move. Oops, we lost the feed. And finally, have you tried the all-new tear gas-infused nachos from Taco Bell? They taste like bird. 
They're a delightful and tasty treat and perfectly safe to eat, according to Border Patrol Foundation President Ron Colburn. It's natural. You could actually put it on your nachos and eat it. Well, I guess we know what the next teen challenge on social media will be, huh? Oh, look, we actually have some right here. Let me give these a go. Good. A little kick. Lips starting to tingle. <clears throat> Ooh. Ooh, those do have a have a bite to them. <laughs> Man, get drink here. <laughs> okay, it's getting hotter. A little hotter now. Holy jeez! I'm Brian Baker. <laughs> have a nice day. Producer Brian Baker, thank you. Brian Kilmeade joins us in just a few minutes from Fox and Friends. We'll talk about one of his latest books. I, I don't know how he's doing it. He's doing the TV, he's doing the radio, and then he's writing, and, and I don't know what kind of factory he's got going on, uh, but I got I to gotta, I gotta learn, learn the ways, and we'll catch up with him on, uh, on uh, some, some, some things Trump and some things uh, not Trump. We will do that with Brian Kilmeade. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Do not uh, miss that. And then there's the story of the woman who really wanted to have sex. The woman who really wanted to have sex was very angry because she wanted the sex. And her sleeping boyfriend did not want to have the sex and went back uh, to, to bed. And she tried to wake him up by reaching under the covers and waking him up. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping. So she beat the daylights out of him and got arrested. That, that, is, that has never happened to me because I wake up. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. New York Times compares right-wingers on social media to jihadists. You know, who would have known we'd come to the place where a, a headline like that is just so completely freaking boring? <laughs> Newsbusters uh, talking about this New York Times story called The New Radicalization of the Internet. Warning social media has uh, exacerbated the issue of a body count of fanaticism and that uh, you need regulation of social media to take down right-wing extremism. I didn't know I'd have a theme about free speech today. You know, uh, the, the, the problem is the political right, not the political left. How many more, you know, hope you're dead. Here, here's a great one. This actually happened uh, today. Ellen Barkin. Do you, know, do you remember Ellen Barkin, uh, the, the actress? You, you should remember Ellen Barkin, the the actress. Um, Chris Saliza over at CNN wrote a piece, Why Cindy Hyde-Smith is a near lock to win Mississippi today. That's uh, the, the, the Senate race. And she's had a couple of miscues, and I don't think has handled anything right. And, and there are some people who are just not built for a media world. They don't know how to, they don't know how to talk. They might vote the way I want on a serious number of policies, but they just don't have any, they, they ain't got no flow. How else to describe it, right? To call her a racist because of a stupid comment is just nonsense. 
right? But to say that she's got no flow and she brings some of this upon herself, I think that is accurate. In the totality, of course not. Uh, so, so what she said is that she was talking, to, she was with her supporter, and there was other supporters, and someone asked, what do you think of the person who was standing next to her? And she said, if he invited me to a public hanging, I'd be in the front row. Now She's white, he's white, everybody was there was white. It was just, it was a weird thing. It's a weird comment. I'd never heard anything like that. Didn't make any sense to me. Well, the person she's running against, uh, Espy, he's black. So everyone now wants to make it, oh, she was giving racial-coded language. And, of course, you know, it's Mississippi. You, you, you know what those people are like. And, and my answer has always been, no, tell me. I have seen this so often in so many places, it's beyond gross. And the worst part is when it happens via journalists who live there. In my beloved Indiana. Do you know how many people want to make the claim that Indiana is this place of, of racists and bigots? Indiana was a place that was controlled by the KKK back in the day, many years ago. Isn't today by any stretch of the imagination, but you are still held guilty. I moved here four and a, four and a half years ago. I am guilty of ungats, of nothing. So what are you talking about? Yeah, the people of today who, who live in this unbelievable metropolis, they're all uh, uh, all bigots. The people who live in, in, in the southern counties or, or, or work uh, creating the RVs in the northern counties of Indiana, they're, they're all bigots. And what is it that, that, that people automatically assume of the South? Bring in Ellen Barkin. Chris Saliza writes why Cindy Hyde-Smith is a near lock to win in Mississippi today, the Republican candidate. And Ellen Barkin says, um, this is on Twitter, um, literally wrote, um, because she is despicable racist running in a state of mostly like-minded racist. Now, she didn't say she is a, a despicable racist. Uh, Ellen Barkin wrote, because she is despicable racist. So first, uh, I mean, proofread. Uh, secondly, why is it a state of mostly like-minded races? Never mind the fact that you called her a racist and doesn't matter. Why, why would you say that? What did Mississippi over the past, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years, however, the whole state? No, you didn't go whole. Mostly like-minded racists? Why? Why would you say that? What is, what is wrong with you that you say that? The sins of yesteryear are therefore the sins of every year. You, no one ever gets to have a, a, a moment of, you know what, that was then and this is now. Why, why not? You would never call the people of Michigan racists. They didn't vote for the black man. They voted for this old white woman. They didn't vote for the young black man to be their senator. No one has called them racists. But here's Ellen Barkin to remind you, Mississippi, bunch of racists. The ugliness of Hollywood and the ugliness of small minds is really the problem here because it's more than just Hollywood in that case. Uh, Ellen Barkin's a small mind. This was a cheap shot. This is part of a meme that they continue uh, and, and wanting to run. When changes were mating, changes mating, changes were made, uh, to was it was it the Voting Rights Act? 
changes were made to the Voting Rights Act that allowed uh, the southern states to get out from under the thumb of the federal government. And people were up in arms uh, about this because if you don't keep your, your foot on the neck of the southern states, oh, those racists will come back. Why, wh- what are you talking about? Why would you even say such a thing? The person living in Montgomery, Alabama today is the person who was living there in 1933. And are we sure that the person who lived there in 1933 even agreed with what they saw around them? Or do you really want to make the argument that there was absolutely no bigotry in New York in the 1930s and the 1940s and the 1950s? What? It wasn't against black people. It was against the Irish. So therefore, we're cool? This is some ignorant stuff. New York doesn't take the hits. California doesn't take the hits. Why? Because that's where the enlightened people live. It just so happens it's the people who also control so much of the media apparatchik. So, of course, they don't have problems, but you do. Man, the projection ain't that a some bitch. That is amazing. <laughs> it's really ugly. And it happens all the time. It happens absolutely all the time. Just, just the, uh, the, the, the absolute worst. By the way, uh, Department of Homeland Security upset with 60 Minutes because they did a segment on uh, family separation. It was Scott Pelley ooh, exploring the Trump administration's strict immigration policies. That, that, what, what, what are we talking? They're the same policies. All he did was make sure they were enforced. He went to zero tolerance. In order to go to a zero tolerance policy, there has to be a policy. And then all he's doing is enforcing the policy. He wrote, uh, he said, did Scott Pelley, our investigation has found that the separation of families began far earlier and detained many more children than the administration had admitted. So Trump took to Twitter. As, as, maybe you don't know this, and, and I don't want to surprise you with anything, but it turns out uh, that the president likes to tweet. Hello. Hey, Mr. President, how are you? How you doing? You doing all right? You having yourself a, a good day? Hi, Tony. Hey, sir. Um, uh, he, he wrote uh, uh, that he did, uh, just as Bush did, because that is the policy and the law. I tried to keep them together, but the problem is, when you do that, vast numbers of additional people storm the border. So with Obama, separation is fine, but with Trump, it's not. Fake 60 minutes. That's just part of the tweet that he put out there. Department of Homeland Security, they, they, they took it up a notch. Is, is what uh, they did. This is uh, 60 Minutes irresponsibly aired flawed reporting, which displayed disregard for the truth and a fundamental misunderstanding of our nation's immigration system and the administration's zero-tolerance policy for prosecuting illegal border crossers. DHS chose not to participate in the taping of this hit piece, as it was clear from the start that this was an agenda-driven work of revisionist fiction. Oh. Damn! Yeah. You're 60 minutes. How do you respond to that? 
Do you respond to it by saying, wow, maybe we should take a look at this again? Or do you respond to it by saying, hey, we're the station of Dan Rather. High fives, everybody. High fives. High five. Some of you may lose your jobs over this, but it'll be worth it because you saved America. High five. There we go. All right, who who wants cake? Who who wants cake? I mean, it's it's I mean, that's a real smackdown of what it is uh that that got said. They continued that the piece inaccurately conflated the responsibilities of Homeland Security and the Department of Health and Human Services. The former apprehends illegal aliens, including minors, for illegal acts, and the latter is responsible for care and custody of accompanied alien minors, unaccompanied alien minors. Additionally, 60 Minutes was complicit in allowing one interviewee to peddle obscure, absurd fabrications about the actions of the men and women of the U.S. Border Patrol as they carried out the administration's zero-tolerance policy. 60 Minutes tells Fox News they stand by their story. Uh, good on them. Media is further dividing people, and people are further divided about media. People absolutely going to tribalism and what it is they want to believe as opposed to what is fact. And so much of what we're learning is how little reporting was done during the Obama days. That doesn't make everything Trump does right. But it's remarkable how much we have to dig to find, oh, yeah, they did this, you know, in the Obama years. And no one said word boo. Nobody got this riled up. Nobody went into this attack mode. Absolutely no one. I'm curious to see where this goes. Curious to see how much further DHS pushes and whether 60 Minutes is really willing to hold the line on it. I'll keep you posted. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. You know, that's why you always say scheduled to appear. We'll try and catch up with uh, Brian Kilmeade of uh, Fox and Friends at another time. Did, have you, did you hear this, by the way? This audio? You want to hear what pure joy and happiness sounds like? 80 meters. 60 meters, 50 meters, constant velocity, 37 meters, 30 meters, 20 meters, 17 meters, standing by for touchdown. Touchdown confirmed. That's insight. The lander. Landing on Mars. This thing went from 12,000 miles an hour, I believe. Is that the number? To five miles an hour. And they were able to land it on the surface of the moon. It then had to deploy a lot of solar panels, which was going to take them uh, uh, quite a few hours to, to get that done and see how it was going to, to make sure it worked, because without the solar panels, it won't have the power to do what it's supposed to do, which I thought was just to monitor the surface of Mars. No, the purpose of insight is to kind of dig into Mars. So the plan is to kind of get into um, get into the soil, get into uh, get into what it is that makes it up, so they can get an idea of 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 the makeup and the history. So in addition to this uh, insight. 
there were these cube satellites, uh, which were about the size of a suitcase, two of them. Now, the first of these cubes to, to fly into deep space, their purpose was to videotape insight landing, like how that whole process worked. So they now have, uh, and, and hopefully everything got back to them, they now have the documentation of what it is that they attempted to do, how it actually worked so they can learn from the future. Now they've got these, these basically these little micro satellites out there. Who knows what other imagery they're going to, they're going to pick up. Then there was the whole, the, one of the bigger Mars satellites that was watching the whole thing a, as well. Just completely and uh, totally incredible. Actually, one of, the, one of the, the Marco Cube satellites has a picture of Mars from about 4,700 miles. It's really cool. I, I, I love it. I absolutely positively love uh, uh, every single bit of this and and I know I know I've I've talked about this before. It's it's a government program. Why can't private uh, citizens do this or a private company? I love it. 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 I I look forward uh, to uh, to the U.S. working aggressively uh, to get back to a a space program uh, that 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 matters and having our own way to get to the International Space Station and do a whole series of things because it's it's really and truly uh, kind of awful that we let this fall by the wayside that we don't have uh this this capability anymore that you have to rely on the russians for a ride it's oh it it annoys me annoys me to absolutely positively no end speaking of annoying paul manafort so the, the latest rumor is that paul manafort who is the former campaign manager for donald trump held talks with julian assange inside the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Visited around the time he joined the Trump campaign. This, according to The Guardian. Sources said Manafort went to see Assange. <laughs> this, is, this is surreal. In 2013, 2015, and the spring of 2016, during uh, the time he was, uh, you know, made the, the campaign chairman. Remember, Manafort's purpose in the campaign was in case there was a broker convention, he had the experience with this, and maybe uh, he could uh, he could you know move forward and 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 help get this uh, um, all squared away and done, right? So that's only part of the story. The other part of the story is that there is a story that Manafort lied to the Mueller team even after pleading guilty breaching his plea agreement with the Justice Department because he lied about uh, who knows even what. I'm, I'll, I'll make sure I'm, I'm on the record. Can, can you make sure? Is the microphone working? Paul Manafort is a creep. He's always been a creepy dude. He's always been a shady cat. Absolutely positively. Right? Everything that came out in, during his, his trial uh, about him being a shady cat is, is true. Now, the way he was treated by Robert Mueller is disgusting. You needed to raid his house at like five in the morning with with uh, armed FBI agents? That was really necessary. You had to break down the door while he's sleeping next to his wife. You couldn't walk in at 9.30. You had to do it while he was sleeping. I mean, that's, that's just intimidation trash. That's all that is from beginning to end, and it's the worst stuff. 
hate that we do that. It is ugly. Now, they're saying that Manafort lied on a variety of subject matters, violating his plea agreement. It's going to, they're going to provide more details sometime later. Now, this is all, you know, precursor, prologue to the Mueller investigation wrapping up. It was Alan Dershowitz, the lawyer, who said that this is going to be brutal to President Trump. I haven't figured out yet what he means by brutal. You know, the light it's going to paint the president in regards to Russia and some of the other things maybe involving family, which I think is what the president's worried about, personally, in terms of how the family looks. Or is Alan Dershowitz just trying to set a stage of this thing's going to be horrible when it's only half horrible? You win the expectations game. I'm not sure where he is on it. We'll see. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.